You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary Fellowship. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Can we give it up for the band, please, 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 please? Come on. Every week, every time that I get up here and I get an opportunity to teach, I'm like, man, we are so blessed with an amazing band. You have no idea. So good. Anyway, uh, quick question. Does anybody like the cold weather? Cold weather. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then why do you live here? What are you, what are you doing? And there's plenty of places that get cold all the time. I hate this. I hate getting up and it's freezing and it's cold. And, uh, I actually have like a, like a thermal under this. I'm not even kidding. You think I'm exaggerating? I'm, I'm just skin and bones, okay? I'm driving, you know, anyway. So anyway, hey, I want to share a quick story as we get started today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor George, by the way. I'm the worship pastor here. And uh, my brother is basically the guy who raised me for the most part. Okay, my, not that my dad wasn't around. My dad was around. He just kind of wasn't around. I mean, he just wasn't really intentional about stuff, whatever. Um, so my, for, for better or for worse, he's the one, my brother's the one who raised me. Um, and uh, I just, th- there's a lot of good things that I learned from him, and there's probably more bad things that I've learned from him, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, older sibling, it is what it is. So I'll give you a, a quick example of that. We lived, uh, we grew up in Hialeah, okay, the city of progress, okay? Amen, amen. Fatoria. anyway, sorry. So we, we, we lived about four, you know, like every, all the streets in Hialeah, they're all like rectangles. If you didn't know, now you know. Streets are really short, and avenues are very long. Okay, it's a little geometry lesson for you guys. And we lived about four avenues away from our school. And a lot of times, he would wake up late, and he would drive me to school. I'd I'd be in the car all the time with him. And he's like, hey, we're going to play some games. Are you ready? I'm like, oh, yeah, I love games. Okay, so we had all these games that we would play in his car. This game was called Stop and Clear. Okay? And so the idea is this. We're late for school. I've got a really fast car. And we're four avenues, it's like four or five stop signs, and we'll be at school. Okay, so all we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book it. I mean, I'm going to go as fast as I can. You're going to look out the right window, I'm going to look out the left window, and if you see a car when we get close to the stop sign, say, stop! <laughs> Got it? I'm like, yes. And if you, if you don't see a car, say, clear, and we're just going to take off over the intersection. I'm like, got it, bet, let's do it, you know? <laughs> so here we go. He's like, ready? Go and we're going down the street. I mean, this is like a, a neighborhood. He's going, like, I don't even want to know how fast he's going. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm like, clear! Woohoo! Am I right? Cool, cool. I'm like, clear! All right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, stop! And like, he, like, almost loses control of the car. We get off to the side of the road, like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah. And my brother goes, you want to do it again? I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. Come on, let's do it. Come on, you know? And we would do this all the time. And my mom had no idea this was happening, by the way. So parents... Check on your kids, man. Those crazy, you know, kids are crazy. And like my mom was Cuban. I don't even want to know what she would have done if she would have found out that we were like playing with death, literally. I don't know how we didn't die, honestly. We did it all the time. Another one that he would do, he would get in his car and he would pretend to be a running back in the NFL. Anybody ever do one of this, one of these things? He's like, all right, he's at the stop sign or, or the red light. He's like, mm-hmm. He's like, all right, first and 10, here we go. You know, green, I got the ball. And he starts going I mean, crazy, like just all over, over the medians, you know, all that stuff. Like, it, I'm like, I've never seen a crazier driver in my life than my brother, okay? Honestly, it's just, it's just a thing. Now, here's the thing. I grew up, didn't I? 
Who do you think I drive like? Yeah. Yeah. In the first service, my, my wife was sitting. She's like, your brother. I and mean, she's like, she like screamed it at me. I'm like, oh, oh. And why is that? Because here's the thing. It's different. Life is a little bit different now. I'm, I'm, I'm not single. I'm not young. I'm, I'm, I have my wife and I have my two kids in the car. And I, I still drive a little crazy, and it drives Evelyn crazy. So, you know, I never knew what those little, like, those little bars for your handles, like, like, I never knew what that was for until I met my wife, you know? I drive, she's like, oh my God, and I'm like, whoa, 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 She's like, the, the car, you got to stop the car. I'm like, I was going to, st- I, I, who's driving? I'm driving. Like, just relax. She's like, okay, okay, okay. We go on road trips, and she's like, no, 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 stop, stop. I'm like, you're going to make me go- actually get into an accident because of the way you're responding, you know? Anyway. That's, that's for us and for counseling. Anyway. So anyway, she always tells me, slow down. Your kids are in the car. You're going to get us killed. I'm like, okay, okay. You're right, you're right, you're right. And here's the reality, okay? My brother probably has no idea that he left that type of impact in my life, that type of impression that I actually drive. Like, maybe you're watching right now, bro. Hey, bro, bad. You're know, like, come on, man. Anyway, sorry, right? No, maybe he, like, he doesn't know that I drive like he used to drive. He has no idea. He was just driving. That's what he was. But I was always paying attention, and it was leaving an impact on me. And whether you believe it or not, you are influencing somebody in your life, and you're leaving an impression on them. And just like my brother had no idea, can you imagine how many people in your life, you have no idea you've left an impression on them? Ooh, that's scary, right? On our good days, that's good. On our bad days, that's not so good, right? Mm-mm, right? That's a scary thought. But it could be as something as the way you drive is influencing somebody. Or maybe something more complex, like the choices that you make on a daily basis. It could be influencing somebody. Your life has the power to change someone else's. And I want you to think back. I mean, it's, na- it's natural. Think back to one of the moments where somebody made a real impact on you. Maybe, I don't know if there's any basketball fans here, you know, but maybe it's the first time that you saw Michael Jordan play. And you're like, whoa. Or maybe it's for you, it's LeBron, even though Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. But anyway, I'm just going to get there. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out. It's biblical. It's bibl- and I'm just kidding, just kidding. Right? Maybe it's not basketball for you. Maybe it was a teacher. You were in school, and this teacher just, in, like, inspired you. And, and maybe that teacher influenced you to, to pursue the career that you're in right now. That happens all the time, right? Or maybe it's simple. Maybe it's somebody like a friend, a close family member that just changed your life by the way they lived theirs. You see... If we're honest with ourselves sometimes, I mean, a lot of times, I don't see myself as a Michael Jordan, right? We don't see ourselves as like some superstar that's influencing the world and all of that. George, I'm just a normal person. I have my coffee in the morning, you know? Rinse, repeat. I mean, I just, I've got my routine, and that's what I do, and I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. But I've been thinking a lot at the beginning of this year um, about this one question. I keep asking myself, what's my legacy going to be? Has anybody ever thought about that? You know, like, Honestly, what are people going to remember about me when I'm no longer here, right? What kind of legacy is your life going to leave behind? I mean, I think a lot of times in our walk with God, in our walk in life, we forget that every single day that you have breath in your lungs, you're writing a story. The question is, do you like the story that you're writing? Because that story is going to continue when you're no longer here. It's your legacy, right? So, what kind of impression do you want to leave on the world? And I could probably answer for all of us. I mean, hey, Pastor Jordan, a good one. I want, I want a good impression, right? Obviously, we want a good one. You don't want to be the guy that everybody knows. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that always smells. Oof. Take, give, me, give me five feet. More, more than the quarantine thing. Give me more than six feet, okay? Because you, woo, 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 right? No. Obviously, you don't want to be known as that guy. You don't want to be known as the guy who, who never showed up. 
right? The person that never showed up, the person that you can't trust. No, that, that's not the legacy that we want. We want to leave a positive impact on this world, and we want our legacy to amount to something. The late Billy Graham has an amazing quote. It's going to be on the screen about legacy. It says this, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. So much wisdom. I mean, good Lord, right? That's just the truth. The question is, how? Like, this world is crazy. Like, my, my work environment is crazy. My family is crazy. You know, like, how do I get to live a life that leaves a legacy, especially a godly legacy? It seems impossible. Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. See, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I mean, our lives should be known, just like what Mr. Graham said, right? To be remembered for character and for faith. Maybe you're a parent, a student, a kid, an adult, daughter, son, employee, employer. It does not matter. Each and every one of us has the power to leave a legacy that can change the world. You don't have to be a superstar to do it. You just have to be intentional about it, right? So, and here's the thing. If you're like me, I know that you want more for your life. And good news, so does God. I know you want more for the people that are surrounding you in your life. And so does God. And even though right now you have no idea what it takes to kind of leave that legacy, you don't know how to get there just yet, I believe that by the end of our time together, God is going to reveal some things for all of us to work on so we can finally achieve that story Finally achieve that life that leaves a legacy for the people around us. And so the way we're going to do that is by looking at the life of one person, and his name is King David. King David. King David? I've heard about that. The king, isn't that the guy that got the slingshot and the pebbles and knocked out a, a, a giant? Yes, that guy, right? Isn't that the guy who writes uh, like most of the Psalms? He's a musician. He's like, yep, that's the guy. And he already has a legacy. Was he perfect? Definitely not. Did he make mistakes? Woo-wee! Crazy mistakes. But was he always known as somebody who was after God's own heart? Yeah, that was his legacy. Didn't matter the mistakes he made. He left a godly legacy, and we're going to look, look at one particular part of his life that's going to teach us three ways that we can change our lives in order to have a godly legacy. But before we do that, you have to understand where David is. So let's back it up. little quick history of Israel. Israel, Super annoying, you know, like they're walking around the desert. Ah, we want steak like we had in Egypt. We want to be slaves again. And you're like, come on. You know, like God just saved you. Walk through a whole ocean. Give me a break, you know. And so they're still complaining. It's like, we want a king. God doesn't want to give them a king. We want a king, you know. Like my, my kids, when they want something, like, <laughs> I'm like, there's no chicken dance here. Like, you know, relax. So what does he do? He anoints a guy named Saul. Saul is like, oh, this big, nice looking dude. Hey, well, I'm going to be the king of Israel. Turns out to be a terrible king isn't obedient, doesn't wait for the Lord, doesn't listen to anybody. He's losing his mind. I mean, it's crazy. So what happens? He tells Samuel, hey, I need you to go see Jesse. One of his sons is going to be king. And Jesse has all these, hey, what's up? Good looking guys, you know, the good looking sons. And he's like, no, not that guy. No, not that guy. No, not that guy. No, where's the, where's the other one? And then this scrawny little dude, David, hey, the shepherd shows up. Why? Because God didn't want a king for Israel. God needed Israel to have a shepherd instead. And that's the truth. So he gets anointed king. Problem, there's already a king. So how do you become king and there's another king? Well, he ends up serving Saul, right? He starts playing music because he has a troubled spirit. He can't sleep. So, so David's like, oh, 
la, 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 you know, whatever, right? And then he starts fighting every battle, all the battles that Saul throws at him, anything, whatever. And then the people start seeing, like, wait a second, man, this guy is pretty awesome. He marries one of his daughters. So now it's super awkward because now Saul is his father-in-law. Sheesh, right? People say, oh, Saul kings, kills thousands, but David kills 10,000. The people start lo- liking David more than Saul. Saul starts losing his mind and wants to kill David. And that's where we're going to start today's story. Crazy, right? But I believe that, what, that the way he responds is something that we're going to remember for a long time. So 1 Samuel 24, it's in your outline, it's in your Bible, on, your, on the screen, in the app. If you're watching online, let's see what it says. And after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and sent out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Crags is another word for rocks or mountainous area. Or, you know. So then he came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Ancient Hebrew scholars believe it was to do number two. <laughs> when nature calls, you just got to listen, okay? All right, so number two, he relieved himself. Then David and his men were actually in the same cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke when he said to you, I will give you your enemy into your hands to, do, to deal with as you wish. And then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off that same corner of the robe. You pause there and give me your attention. I mean, what are the odds? You're hiding because someone's trying to kill you. That said guy walks into the same cave where you're there with all your 600 men alone, drops his pants, and it's just like, are you kidding me? This is like the perfect situation, right? Stinky situation, but it's a perfect situation, right? Well, anyway, what are we going to learn about in this first one? If you want to live a life that leaves a legacy, number one in your outline, choose your friend's wisely. And the church says, amen. Oh boy. Last year, um, I had a goal, just like a lot of us did, uh, 2020, ruined a lot of that. Maybe it ruined your vacation and stuff, whatever. We had a goal, I had a goal, to get in shape, to start working out and being healthier and all of that. So I got together with some of my friends and we started working out and started running. Does anybody like running? Yeah, you're probably the same people that like the cold weather, right? Yeah, awesome. It's the worst. It is the worst. You're like, oh, you're built like a runner, George. I'm, not, I'm built like a sleeper. I love sleeping. It's the best. Anyway, they make me run. They make me pick up these things, do exercises. It's just like, you know, we wake up super early to do it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, highly recommend it. Anyway, so, but what's awesome is that these guys, they, they, they've, been, they've been challenging me. They were challenging me and really pushing me. And, and I started seeing results. And more importantly, Evelyn was seeing results. So anyway, right? But guess what happens? We started working out, and then the lockdown happens, and everything shuts down. Everything's over. I'm like, oh, here we go. And um, I don't know about how it was for you, but it was really hard to get motivated to do anything when we were stuck at home. And we were stuck at home with our two kids. That's fun. That's real fun, right? And so we were like, man, we we have to figure out some type of routine. We got to figure out like a schedule, because if not, we're going to lose our minds. And so we did. We had a routine and all of that. And um, and I remember, like, the lockdown just, it just seemed like one really long, bad day, you know? And before you knew it, it was, like, July and August, and you're like, what, what happened to this year? What did I do this year? Like, I don't even remember, right? Like, it's just like a big black blob. <laughs> like, what happened? I don't remember what happened. So, 
It's like August, the guys are like, hey, let's work out again. And I'm like, all right, we'll just keep our distances in case, whatever. All right, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. It's like two or three of us, not a huge group. And we start working out, and I go, guys, you know, I gained like eight pounds. And they're like, what? George, you don't ever gain weight. I'm like, I know. I, I'm always, I, it takes me like eight years to gain eight pounds. I, I gained eight pounds in like three months. He's like, what did you do different? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, look, we, were, we were active. We went on walks and stuff, and like, I wasn't sitting at home all day. We were, we were busy. I don't know. So we worked out. I came back the next day, and I told one of my friends, I'm hey, I think I know what it is. He's like, oh, what was it? My kids are like, like creatures of habit. Every day they would wake up, and Evelyn would be like, hey, what do you want for, uh, for breakfast? And they would say, oh, chocolate chip pancakes. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Chocolate chip Okay, so we make chocolate, pa- chocolate chip pancakes, and there's a rule in my house that you don't leave food. Like, you don't, you don't waste food at all, Okay. And every time they would eat breakfast, I noticed on the, on the counter there was like a plate with like, you know, about six or seven, maybe eight pancakes. And being the good Samaritan that I am, you know, I'm like, this is my rule. I've got I've to make sure that I, you know, I would inhale all seven to eight pancakes. And church, I, every single day from March to August or whatever, I had chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast every single morning, like seven or eight of them. And I never eat breakfast. I never eat breakfast. So I tell this to my friends, and they're like, are you kidding me? You know, like, you know what would happen to me if I ate seven pancakes every single day for breakfast? You only gained eight pounds? I would gain 80 pounds. You're such an idiot. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know? It's like, come on, go, go push the ground. I'm like, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, like, Anyway, I just want you to let you know, because of those people in my life, I am now back to pre-pancake weight. So, okay. Thank you very much. Everybody who has, like, everybody's going to be like, you're, uh, you're, whatever, skinny George, give me a break. Right? But here's the thing. They encouraged me. They challenged me. And because of that, I'm healthier and I'm stronger. David is in the complete opposite situation right now. These are his boys, this is his men, his soldiers, his army. And they're telling them, like, dude. This is it. What are the chances that Saul's going to be right in front of you? Hello, sign from God. You know, like, I mean, he, like literally, he has, he's completely vulnerable. Just take him out. Didn't the Lord say that he would give the enemy into your hands? Problem. The Lord never said that. They were literally making up words that God didn't say to try to speed up the process to make David king. See that? They were trying to manipulate David to go against his God-honoring character. 1 Corinthians says this, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And you know this to be true. You know this in your life. If you, if you choose the wrong people to come into your life and start influencing you, oh, what do they do? They take advantage of you. They can manipulate the way you make decisions, right? They can bring toxicity. They can bring drama. They can do all this stuff. They can draw you away from God. They can make you make decisions that you would never make in a million years and ruin your life. That's why we need to choose our friends wisely. And that's why you hear it all the time. And you think, oh, yeah, okay, growth groups. You just think, oh, growth groups. It's just, you know, it's growth group season. Cool. Let me tell you the truth. When I first came to know the Lord about 12 years ago, the first church I ever walked into was Calvary Fellowship. It was at a movie theater. I had no idea why. I mean, like, they needed help with the, with the, with the band. I played, I played band in the band, and I would leave. I would never stay for the message. The one time I, st- I stayed for the message, I gave my life to Christ. And then I heard about growth groups. And I'm like, what is this? They're like, oh, we meet together. We study a Bible. We pray for one another. You know, it's just like a small group of people and whatever. Oh, and I signed up for that group. And I can confidently tell you right now, I would not be alive right now 
if it wasn't for the people that I met in those growth groups. Why? Because I was surrounded by people that were trying to manipulate me, trying to tell me whatever else to do, trying to draw me away from God. I was doing life George's way, and that always left me hurt and feeling alone. Even though I was surrounded by all these people, I always felt alone, or at least I thought I was, until I joined the group, and I read this proverb. It's up in the screen. Proverbs 13 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And church, I was surrounded by fools. Do I still love those fools? I do. Remember my last message, you got to love people who are unlovable. I love them. But there's a difference between loving people who are unlovable and letting unlovable people ruin your life. You can love them, pray for them and all of that, but don't give them the influence. David needed a growth group in that moment. He said, you need to ditch these people, these 600 guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're trying to pull you the wrong way. In your life, you need to be extra careful and who you bring in and who you bring out because they have the power to change the story of your legacy. And people will remember the people that you associate with. So be careful with that. Let's continue the story and see what, what else happens. In 1 Samuel, starting in verse 6, it says this. He said, this is David talking to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him. For he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. He, left, he let him go. Then David went out of the cave, or what? And called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say that David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See, there, there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. What? How, I mean, this, this kid is crazy, right? You're hiding from the guy who's trying to kill you. Now you're letting him go, and then you could have been, no, no, I'm going to come out and let you know, hey, I almost killed you. What? Why? Because if you want to live a legacy in your life, the first thing is you choose your friends wisely. Number two, sometimes you just need to stand up for the truth. Sometimes you just need to stand up for the truth instead of just kind of going with the flow, right? A few, almost a year ago now, which is crazy. Um, a lot of you guys didn't know this, but um, I lead worship all the time. I'm singing and stuff and all of that, and it's what I do. And uh, last year, I was, I was struggling big time, big time with my voice um, physically. There was something wrong. Um, I, I didn't know what it was and all of that. I kept on trying to sing, and maybe I'm just, I was thinking in my head, maybe I'm just getting old and I'm getting tired, you know, that type of thing. But no matter what I tried to sing, it just hurt and it felt weird and, and I was really, I was having like one of these moments. Um, so I went to the doctor. They checked my, you go to the ENT, the ear, nose, and throat doctor. They shove a camera up your nose, down your throat. Super fun. Super fun. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Super cool. Anyway, so they do that and I, and I go to the ENT every year, once a year, just check my ears, check my throat. It's what I do. Um, so he does it and he's single note. I'm like, lower note. You know, all that. And uh, he's like, that's so weird. You, ha you have a vocal nodule, like this giant blister on your vocal cords. 
So when you sing, it doesn't, it does, it's not going to work because you, you have this injury. And I'm like, cool. So I, got, I have to kind of sing on Sunday. So what do, I, you know, like, what do I do? He's like, no, the best way to do that is you need to just stop singing. I'm like, hey, well, uh, I'm a worship pastor. It doesn't really work, you know? They're like, no, yeah, vocal rest. I'm going to put you to therapy, all of that stuff. You need to just stop singing. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, we're about to get into Easter mode and all these services and all this stuff. And guess what happened? God goes, lockdown, COVID. And then we didn't have any services. And I'm just sitting at home going, yo, that's, that's crazy. I was able to rest my voice, and I'm happy to let you know I'm completely healed, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. Um, I have, a, you know, a lot to work on, but it's, it's all gone, thank God. And so here's the thing. I walked into the office five or six months later, and it's like when COVID was really crazy, and the doctor's like, I can't do anything to you right now because you have to go through here. Remember the COVID test that goes through here? Well, they have to go to the camera that way. They're like, we can't scope you right now. Like, so forget about this. Let's just reschedule your, your, uh, your appointment. I'm like, all right, great, great. So I leave. A week later, I get the biggest bill in the mail I've ever seen in my life <laughs> for the ENT. And I'm like, oh, no, you did Ooh, like, que fresco, right? I'm like, come on, man. Like, give me a break. I'm like, no, no, no. So I call my insurance. Like, hey, like the doctor told me, don't. Like, don't worry about it. Just reschedule this appointment. I'm like, okay. And they charge me all this money. They're like, oh, let me call the office. Round one. Here we go. The office picks up. Hello, whatever, whatever. Hey, Mr. Martinez says that, like the doctor said, whatever. And then the lady just, the lady just out of nowhere. Let me tell you something, okay? If he stepped foot in this office, then I'm like, oh, snap. And I'm on the phone just like, I'm about to get popcorn, like, you know? And, the, and she's like, he walked into the office. There's an office fee. He got charged the office fee. If you can't figure that out, then you're going to have to figure that out on your own. I'm like, wow. This guy loses his mind. He goes, No. You listen to me, honey, okay? I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Woo. You know, on the next episode of Days of Our Lives. I mean, seriously, I was like, this is crazy. He's like, you're taking advantage of Mr. Martinez. He's telling the truth. You talk to the doctor and you dismiss this bill. And they, they both hang up on each other. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> Guess what? I didn't pay one single dime for that bill. Why? Because he stood up for the truth. How many times have you been placed in a situation and you've got two choices? Do I honor God or do I stand up for the truth? Do I go with the flow or do I speak my mind of what I believe, what I, what, what I say I believe anyway? If you call yourself a Christian, you say you have faith in Jesus Christ. This is where the, where the rubber meets the road. Because if you don't stand up for truth... What are you doing? Go, yeah, but George, you don't understand. My coworkers, I mean, I would look like an idiot. They would probably think of me. Who cares what other people think? The truth is worth, worth more. You know who else didn't care about what people thought? Jesus. He hung out and ministered to the people that nobody wanted to minister to, right? What did he do every second of his ministry? Stand up for the truth. What does this crazy world outside of these four walls right now need more than anything else? The truth. And who's going to give it to them? His church. You see, many times we find ourselves in that situation. We, it's convenient to just like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. But I'm over and over and over again, I've seen God be so faithful to those people who stand up for the truth. And Philippians 4 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent 
or praiseworthy. Think about such things. And David, that's exactly what he's doing. He rebukes his, his entire army. He reminds them, guys, guess what? I didn't anoint him king. God did. He's still my king. And I, I can only imagine that God doesn't want to build my kingdom on murder. Can you imagine talking to like your, your grandkids? Hey, David. Oh, hey, grandpappy, how did you become king? Oh, great story. I was in the, I was in the, someone was trying to kill me. I was hiding in the cave. He went to go poop. I knocked him out. It was amazing. King. Is that the legacy that David wants? Is that the legacy you want? No. Why? Because David's integrity and legacy was worth more than cutting a corner. And so is yours. Your integrity is usually what people remember the most about you. Your integrity is worth more than a shady business deal, than sleeping with that other woman or that other man. It's worth more than pretending to care people and actually doing it because you can fake it till you make it, but you're never going to make it. Writing the legacy is hard, guys, especially if you're a believer in Christ. It's hard because you're around your coworkers, your family, and they're just, maybe your family's not saved, and you're just, you know, and you're just like, oh, you're, you're constantly, right? Because the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, and it's just hard to do it, Pastor George, I know, but let me tell you something. You can do hard things. My kids, man, I tell this all the time, we're, we're trying to get rid of all the diapers in our world and pull-ups, and God, please, 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 no more pull-ups, you know? So with Jaden, we're always telling them, I'm, I'm like a broken record, Jaden, like, yes, papi? Are you dry and clean? He's like, yes, papi. Like, okay, Jaden, you dry and clean? Yes, papi. You know how I know he's lying? Not that, he's telling the truth there. You know how I know when he's lying? When I say this, Jaden, yes, papi? Are you dry and clean? Yes, don't check, don't check, don't check, <laughs> don't check. <laughs> Every time, I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, are you, are you dry and clean? Yes, papi, let me, let me check. No, 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 don't check, don't check, don't check, don't check. And why, why did he do that? He does that because he thinks he's going to get in trouble because he's telling the truth. And every single time I tell him, Babo, when you tell me the truth, I can help you. I want to get you out of these ridiculous wet clothes. You're not in trouble. When you, are, when you, when you're, when you, have, you have a choice to tell the truth or not, you could either tell the truth and get help or you get stuck wearing wet pants for the rest of your life, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the analogy behind it. In Proverbs 10, it says this, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes the crooked path will be found out. So stand up for the truth. Jesus stood up for the truth for you. The least that we can do is be an actual witness of his kingdom, that there's another way to live, that this crazy world, there is some hope somehow, and it's in the church of Jesus Christ. Well, David has now ignored the unwise he has chosen to stand up for the truth. What happens next? We're going to close with this. First Samuel says, May the Lord, this is David talking, May the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hands will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a nobody. Why are you after me? Verse 15, may the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. And when David finished saying this, this is awesome, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I. He, he said, you, are, you have treated me well and I have treated you badly. 
You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me, because I know that you will surely be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me, please, swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants and wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. And then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Unreal. If you pause there, choose your friends wisely. Stand up for the truth. And do exactly, number three, do exactly what David just did. You know what he did? He left room for God. Leave room for God in your story. He is the author of your story. We are not. We think we are because we have power to make choices, but we have no power, church, okay? Romans 12 says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. David is not going to lay a finger on Saul. Why? Because he knows that, he, that Saul's gonna get what he's gonna get. Saul's going to get what's coming. He knows it. Why? Because God made David a promise. God said, you are going to be king. But there's already a king. You are going to be king. Yeah, but like when? You are going to be king. Like, really? Like right now? How many times do we sound like this with God? When is it going to happen, Lord? Now? Well, what about now? Are you there? Do you hear me? I've been praying for months, for weeks, 24 hours, 10 minutes. When is it going to happen? No, he didn't ask questions like that. We ask questions like that. He didn't ask questions like that because he knew, he knew that it didn't matter because the Lord spoke it. And our God is not a liar. He's a promise keeper. You see, David leaves room for God and lets him be the judge instead of wanting, I mean, can you imagine how, it must have, like, oh, so close, I'm so close, I could take this out. Years of pain, years of frustration, years of just somebody that was in charge that was not honoring God. I mean, like, he must have been boiling, and all he had to do was just take him out. But he doesn't. And this is one of the hardest parts of our faith. We wanna judge, woo-wee, do we wanna judge. But when you serve the ultimate judge, you don't have time to be asking questions about what God is doing. Can you imagine if you would have done that and his whole kingdom based around a, like a murder? Like, there's just no way. Have you ever thought that maybe all the times that you've asked God, where are you? What are you doing? What is taking so long? All that stuff. Maybe you're just getting in the way of what God is actually doing. He's like, I heard you the first time you prayed. Would you trust me enough to be faithful in your life? I mean, you can cut the corner, cut him, kill him. Go ahead, just do it if you want. But I've got so many other things planned for you if you would just give me some room. And I believe we struggle with this idea because we just don't trust him. In Proverbs 3, this is your memory verse. I pray that you would commit to memorizing it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he will direct your path. 
He will leave you a legacy. He will continue to write the story if you trust with all of your heart. But what's the problem? You know what's the problem? He only has some of your heart. Because you don't trust him with all of it. You don't trust him with the dark, broken, sinful pieces of your heart. It's what I struggle with every single day of my life. It's like, why would he use a broken individual like me to preach his word when I've got my struggles just like anybody else, right? But don't miss his promises. The Bible's filled with promises. Don't miss the promise. Is your heart broken? Guess what? He mends the broken heart. Is your heart full of dark, dark pieces? Guess what? He brings light to those to that darkness. It's a promise. He doesn't break promise. He's a promise keeper. Are you a sinful person? Hey, welcome to the club. He forgives sinners. Not only does he forgive them, man. He's just, he's waiting with open arms. He wants to caress you. He wants to hold you. He wants to remind you that everything is going to be okay if you would just stop trying to control every outcome of every situation of your life. Stop trying to be God because you're not God. If you would just stop, give him everything. Give him some room. He would show you the most incredible things on the planet. David could have done it. He could have just taken it, but he didn't because he knew that his God has never failed him before and his God is never going to fail him. And he's not about to start because our God, guess what? He never fails. He never fails. The world will fail. Businesses will fail. Uh, Family, all that stuff, all of it fails, but he stays the same. And some of you in this room, you just need to surrender it. That's it. It's to, today's the day. Stop trying to hide like parts of your heart. He sees all of it anyway. He created you. Today's the day that you surrender your entire, your whole entire heart to God. Because guess what? He gave you everything. So why wouldn't we give him everything? He wants you to be all in. Write a blank check. I don't care the cost. I'm in. I need to surrender all of it because if he's not the Lord of your entire heart, he's not going to be the Lord of any of it. You have to give him all of it. You have to give him all of you regardless of what you think you've done, regardless if you think there's no way he can forgive you. Peter denied him three times. And he built the church on him? Nah, that's crazy. Saul, later called Paul, right, persecuted the church was in charge of, of, of forming people that would kill Christians, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament? That's, that's crazy. Yeah, we serve a crazy God. And he uses broken people just like me, just like you, to do incredible things and write a legacy that's going to last forever. If he did it for them, there is nothing he can't do for you. Nothing he can't do for you. You just have to believe it. You have to believe that a God that could have taken us out gave us his son, Jesus. And all we have to do is believe that his son died on the cross for every sin, every mistake we've ever made, and that he freely gives it to us. Three days later, he rose. So what? So we can hide from him in our daily lives? No. So we can walk in abundant life. 
so we can walk in freedom away from all that stuff. Does that mean we're going to stop making mistakes and sin? No, of course not. We're human. But it does mean that when you leave room for him, he's going to start writing that godly legacy in your life. So today, church, give him some room. Acknowledge who he is, what he's done, so he can start directing your path and lead you to a life that leads a godly legacy. Let's pray. And Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the fact that you are faithful, that you never fail. I, the fact that you have promises that you're always going to keep, God. But God, we're, we make mistakes. Forgive us for those moments, Father, where we forget how powerful you truly are. For, forgive us for the mistakes that we somehow think that we have control over the situations in our life, and we don't, Father. This world is going crazy. This, all this stuff is going on. And you're not surprised by any of this. You're not surprised by any of it. You are still in control. You're going to find good in this. Would you give us the faith to believe that? Because, God, I need to believe that. I need you to take the broken pieces of my life, the broken pieces of my heart, and do what you're going to do because I'm tired of carrying all that weight myself. You have much broader shoulders to carry much more of the burden than I will ever do. So, Father, I just pray for every single person who is in this room, who's watching online right now. God, would you change them right now? Would you help them see that you're not done writing their story? There's still good to be found. There's still things that are going to, I mean, there's still things that you're going to do through their life that they can't even imagine if they hand over their whole heart to you. So right now, every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to invite you. Maybe today's the day. That's it. I mean, you've been trying to hide certain parts of your life, certain parts of your heart, and you've been doing the best that you can, and you're exhausted because you're not God. Maybe today's the day that you need to surrender your life, surrender your heart, all of it to God today, today, right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, if you're done, I want to pray for you. I'm going to be the first one, by the way, to raise my hand because every single day I need, I need Jesus. So if that's you, I want to I pray for you. I want to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. And God, I thank you for every single hand that's gone up, not just because they raised their hand, but because of what that hand represents. Every hand that's up in this room that was up in this room represents somebody that you are speaking to right now, not because of me, because of you, Father, because of your Holy Spirit. You are doing a work inside that person's heart, and that person wants to surrender that heart to you today. They are done. They are done writing their own story. They want you to write their story because they want to have a legacy that changes the world. And I thank you for the fact that they stood up for truth today. And they're leaving some room for you. So I pray, God, right now for every single hand up. And if you raise your hand, I want to I want to lead you in the prayer. It's not a magic formula, but if you pray this in sincerity, God will hear it, and He will help you write that story that you want in your life. So every person in this room is going to actually pray it out loud to encourage everybody who's praying this prayer. So let's just repeat after me. Just say, "Dear God, I come before you, and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made." for the sin in my life. 
and for holding back my heart. I believe that Jesus gave his life so that I can have it. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.